The year is 1990. I'm Dave. I'm Zach. And this is My Marvelous Year. Variant cover. Hello and welcome to My Marvelous Year 1990 Variant Cover B. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I am joined today by a very special Twitch streaming host. He was seen most recently 11 days ago streaming Dark Souls, Mm -hmm. as you may remember. It is the one, the only, Zach Dean's List, Dean Zach, how you doing today? I gotta say, you got a little scruff going. Mm. You got this is probably the first recording we've ever done mm-hmm. where you have more facial hair than I do. That may might be true. I had a I had a pretty good beard mustache combo like like last October. No, no, like the October before. I actually just found pictures of when I was visiting you in like mm-hmm. October twenty nineteen, and I had I had quite a quite a bit of facial hair then. Um, probably the most the most ever. I grew it just to uh, impress well your wife and kids really. Um, yeah, right. right. They do not remember, but other than that, I'm sure it went really, yeah. really well. But no, I, th- I think the scruff looks good today. Oh, thank you. I did, uh, you know, going into this, I did try to get people onto this live stream mm-hmm. of our My Marvelous Year Twitch by showing off my mustache mm-hmm. that I had last night. I grew a stress mustache this weekend, how stressful weekend. <laughs> uh, so I grew an incredible Wait, handlebar mustache. A, mu- a mustache in a weekend, that doesn't make sense. It takes three months to grow a mustache, Dave. What are you talking about? No, no, no. So on Friday, everything was good. I was clean shaven. On Saturday, things started getting stressful in the afternoon. Mm. So mm. I just grimaced and grunted a few times. <laughs> Giant mustache popped out Ooh. just like that. Um, so that was that was the what I thought would be the eye candy people wanted to see on a live stream. Uh, but it turns out that very few people showed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think, so yeah, this is our I lowest, like, uh, our lowest Twitch viewing, uh, I think ever. And I think it is your fault. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I definitely scared yeah. everyone away, yeah. which is my fault. <laughs> and, and the, the, the real irony of it though, of course, is before I went to bed last night, my, my wife did say, um, if you're expecting to come to bed tonight, you need to get rid of that thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> Very nice. So Good I job. am, in fact, as clean shaven and as bald headed as uh, as you will find a Dave these days. He's it's a rarity uh, to find a Dave this uh, this this clean and smooth. It's the the shiny, the ultra rare pack, uh, the the smooth Dave we call him. Yeah, 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 that's right. No, no extra like abilities. My HP is exactly the same, <laughs> yeah. maybe even lower. Uh, but I am very shiny and smooth. But of course, this being a podcast, you can't see that unless you are live with us on the Twitch stream. Thanks to those of you who are hopping on here. Uh, but yeah, this is 1990 variant cover B. We're going to answer listener questions that we've been receiving as we cover the Marvel comics of 1990. Right. So if you want to see the comics that we're reading next time uh, in the reading club as we go through Marvel comics year by year from its origins to today. You can find those in the show notes. Yeah? Yes. And if you want to, uh, something else you could do that would be helpful is go over to iTunes or Apple Podcast and give us a review. I've got three lovely reviews to read. Three? Three. Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah good good month. Uh, Hemi Man writes, awesome. Great pod, guys. Short and to the point. Shane O'Neill Love writes, it. Stilt Man for Life. I couldn't ask for a more perfectly curated delineation of my favorite fictional universe with two incredibly thoughtful and articulate hosts one wow one smooth and one uh scruffy weird accessible for smooth one scruffy must have been see now he was probably talking about the the inverse Mm -hmm. but we we made it happen today uh, the other way. We around. always but vow way, that one of us will be smooth and one will be scruffy. Accessible as long for... as we're not both scruffy on this at the same time, we do live up to that review. Love it. True. Accessible for fans brand new and long time. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Shane. And then finally, Bisney Lover wrote, Fantastic podcast. My Marvelous Here is the greatest pod to ever have been casted. Dave and Zach are doing Yaoman. Yaoman or Yeoman? Yeoman's work? Oh, I'll, uh, I'll let you get that one. I think Yeoman. Uh, the My Marvelous Year Reading Club on Comic Book Herald was exactly what I needed when I got into Marvel Unlimited and listen, start, 
in listening to this podcast is like being in a room with friends talking about comics without actually being able to contribute to the conversation. <laughs> that makes it sound worse. <laughs> but uh, thank you. Thank you very much. Of podcasting. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and then we got, actually, I have to point out, we got the uh, kind of rare My Ultimate Year Apple podcast review. Ooh, hey. Yeah. My Ultimate Year releasing monthly as we go through the Ultimate Universe every single comic at a time. Fugoat? Fugate? Uh, this is Chris. I know who this is. Another fantastic show, just like their My Marvelous Year podcast. This one is entertaining, self-deprecating, knowledgeable, and absolutely enjoyable. A must-listen for any Marvel fan. As Zach and Dave work through the entire Ultimate Comic run for added fun, join their Patreon. Well done again, fellas. Thanks, Chris. Very sweet. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for the this. reviews, everyone. Yeah. That is greatly, yeah. greatly appreciated. Yeah. Um, if you are so inclined and you do like the show, a rating and review on iTunes, just like those, but in your own words, with your own flavor and your own panache, goes a long way so thank you to those of you who have provided uh i'm feeling pretty good about uh the my Marvel this year feedback lately zach yeah i, feel I like, think feel like people are digging the show yeah i think i i mean even if they weren't i'm enjoying uh <laughs> record i'm enjoying what we're recording a lot lately i think it's been uh it would it's been pretty it good. would be interesting to be doing a podcast and you're just like just hell kidding. yeah hitting our stride and then just like Getting hammered, right? Getting <laughs> yeah. hammered with the reviews, yeah. just constant negative feedback, and us just being like, "No, we just need to, we're doing the right thing. <laughs> we just need to stick with it." <laughs> like the, the Patreon support is dropping. the The negative reviews are yeah. coming in where the hateful emails just keep showing up. But like, we got to stick with it. And us just believing in our mission so so thoroughly, that we just keep yeah. with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, we get we get nothing like that. Um, although you know, if you have ideas for what we should be doing on the show. Right in my marvelous year gmail.com. Yeah, I, I like, am uh, open to Zach reading some of your critical thoughts. Yeah, I like. <laughs> I like. That. I like the idea of a new segment. And speaking of a new segment, we started a new one called Sequential Act uh, last mm-hmm. week with our first live play of a Marvel comic. No one, no one figured it out. Unfortunately, um, did you get guesses? Uh, no, from mm-hmm. folks. No, no. So maybe it was a little too obscure for people, or maybe it's just too a, much work. To actually, guesses. maybe we actually have to offer a a real prize <laughs> for this to be. Well, it's definitely it's definitely hard. Um, we'll we'll do another one. This, today this one's a little easier. That, yeah, I picked one. It's a little easier, and easier. I will say uh, right up front: if you were with us right at the beginning here of the stream, uh, I did get this one. Oh, Dave, yeah, Dave just pulled the the it. exact comic issue out of thin air which is impressive but also you know it's dave so he's weird well but if you want to play uh, you know beat the beat the herald right Ooh, if you want to yeah. if you think you can know comics uh, better than i do stump, which stump the buff yeah do you remember uh well thank you for calling me buff i appreciate that uh do you remember stump the schwab do you watch that on espn you probably no. weren't as big a espn no, watcher right. there was a show no. <laughs> on espn called stump the schwab and it was it was all just like this like sports nerd like sports trivia nerd guy and it was everyone just trying to like know trivia better than him. Hmm. I feel like <laughs> I feel like that's basically what we're doing sure. with uh, with people trying to guess comic issues ahead of myself. Um, but yeah, we'll do a we'll do a live play reading of um, of a single page. Yeah, I think it is. yeah. Let's, oh, there's two. And, uh, two and pages, if you can guess the yeah. issue, then you write to us at you know in the Slack at Mime Love Share if you're joining via the Patreon, or um, you can always write us at uh, at gmail dot com yep. or on social right at mymarvelshare. Whoever gets it first, basically, I'll I'll give you a no prize. First come, first let's, come. Uh, let's do it this time. Let's do this first. Um, so people don't have to wait to the end. If you got it pulled up. Okay, we'll go straight yeah. straight to the play. All right, so uh, I'm going right. to, I'm gonna. you start out here, so I'll give you the the cue. Now I did, oh. unfortunately, you know, last time we did one. Um, so actually, are we going to announce oh, what Oh yeah, it was? It's Fantastic Four well, right? 77 from 1968. Okay. It was like a Psycho Man. Uh, yeah, yeah. Story. Yep. It was a Psycho Man versus Reed Richards and Thing. I I was playing the part of the Thing in that one mm-hmm. for those of you who couldn't tell. And um, it, it for last time I had the ability to think a little bit ahead of time the accent I wanted to go with. Mm-hmm. Uh, today I will not be doing that. I'm I'm coming right off another podcast actually, Zach. I was just on someone else's podcast. I'm bouncing into ours just podcasting all afternoon, baby. But let's get into this. Uh, who's doing the narration? Is that going to be you? Uh, let's just skip that. We'll. Uh... We'll just jump right Skip into that. Jump right into the dialogue. I'll do, I'll do it. I'll do okay. it. Okay. All right. So I'll give you. Ready? Action. Yep. And on that rather tantalizing note, we must reluctantly return to the Big Apple. Stashing my stolen prize in my backpack leaves my hand free for other things. <laughs> it's a trifle uncomfortable. But in this improved armor, I barely feel the extra weight in the built-in gyroscopic stabilizers will keep me erect under any a. That whizzing sound coming right toward me. 
Better retract my leg units before. Blast! I recognize that hammer. It belongs to that cursed Avenger, Thor. Thou dost move far more swiftly than I would ever have expected, towering one. But still, thou art no match for him who wields the mystic mallet, Mjolnir. That remains to be seen, Thunder God, and perhaps my rocket pods can prove my point. Foosh, foosh, foosh. By Hela! His rocket pods doth fire high-intensity concussion charges. Were I anyone but an Asgardian born, the impact would have slain me. But even the God of Thunder cannot endure such devastating firepower for long without suffering grievous injury. Thus, by the strength of my sinews, I shall endure it no longer. And scene. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, oh, I felt that one. I felt... It's weird. I, like... I mean, it's no secret that was Thor, but I, like... I felt like Thor, you know? I was, like, inhabiting that, uh, his body there. It's very strange. Or he was I inhabiting I can't mine. say who I was because, yeah. uh, because the name, I don't think, was officially announced. But if you know, if you can guess what comic that mm. was, uh, you will be, uh, the winner of the contest. Yeah, maybe we'll do something where if you guess, like... A couple of them. I'll send you a comic or something. I don't know. We'll figure that out. But uh, I feel like prizeless challenges that require a lot of work. Are <laughs> Those are appealing. really motivating to people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah. In this in this day and age where everyone has so much free time and, and is not you know bogged down by by work or yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So got some questions here from the the Slack members. Um. Oh, Dave. I got some news here. I got some personal news. I want to start out with. Breaking. Guess what I got today? Vaccinated. Um, vaccinated. Vaccinated. Yeah. Got it. Very, very exciting. But that uh, actually leads me into a question I wanted to ask you. Which Marvel characters do you think are anti-vax? Ooh. <laughs> Yuck. Uh, U.S. Agent. Ooh, sure. Okay. John Walker. Yep. I think uh, would work. Maybe, yeah. Um, maybe. You know, I feel like Clint, like, like Bronze Age Ooh, Clint Barton. Clint, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very skeptical mm. of uh, of shots. I, of I was thinking... Guy. But now I would say accept him. I was thinking Jean Grey, you know? Like, maybe she could be a little woo-woo. All right, like, like... Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Shuri. Shuri for sure. Shuri's the only one oh, I'm 100% shit. about. <laughs> that's, a, that's a shame. That's a darn shame. All right, too too real. Too close to okay, home. Okay, all right. What's, uh, uh, what's our first so listener question? So this is question? from Charlotte... Despite their reputations, the 90s will mark the first appearance of many important Marvel characters. The X-Men universe alone introduces Bishop, Cable, Domino, Deadpool, Gambit, and more. But even beyond that, there's a creation of new teams like the New Warriors and Thunderbolt. Then she goes on to mention, like, the characters that have been introduced in the past 20 years are usually legacy characters, such as Kamala Khan or uh, Miles Morales being tied to Carol Danvers and Peter Parker, respectively. Um, basically, he's asking, well, why do you think we're stuck there? What do you? Why do you think we're only doing legacy characters for big characters? And do you wish Marvel yeah. would create more completely original characters, not tied to established properties? So, I mean, I think the answer for this is uh, money is actually fairly defined in that money. Right? I remember reading an interview with Roy Thomas. I think it's probably in Marvel Comics: The Untold Story, where he talks about as his career with Marvel progressed, there was less incentive to create new characters mm-hmm. because you don't own them as a creator, right? So you were giving your ideas, you were giving your own creations to Marvel, mm-hmm. right, to this yeah. company. And obviously, as we've we've talked about a lot on here, and as you see just daily, there's a lot of creator rights issues even now with the way that, you know, creators have been uh, treated by these larger properties where they just, you know, if you enter a great idea, it just becomes part of the corporate IP cycle. And you don't necessarily benefit from that. I think there's been progress, certainly. Um, but that's, I mean, that's reason numero uno. Uh, I don't, really have any theories as to I mean I think there's some there's some uh attempt to sort of like battle that I suppose you know like a Kamala Khan feels like a totally new character yeah Kamala Kamala is tied to naming yeah she's tied to Captain Marvel like story-wise but she does she is not just like Captain Marvel again right I mean not the way that like Ironheart is kind of just like a, a new character with Iron Man's powers right um, well, and even Miles, I mean, Miles is Spider-Man, right? Yeah. So it's Miles is like, hey, we're going to do Spider-Man stories with this character. I mean, Miss Marvel, that's not doing Captain Marvel stories. No, I mean, uh, she's, so that, she's Reed that Richards. That does have a... <laughs> Reed Richards. Yeah, right. I, I, I do think, though, like, there's there's tremendous sales value in Legacy, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah, it I is mean, very I, difficult seems like the answer to, to me. <laughs> drop a new character in Marvel or DC and just drop them straight into their, you know, new solo ongoing and... 
I don't know. There's just readership because of because of the continuity of the franchises, because of the fact that we kind of you know comic fans definitely can be like set in our ways and have you know characters they find comforting and these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. I think there's a l- lot of times there's less of an appetite to be like, yeah, give me something totally new. Um, but even if you run it back to like 70s and 80s comics we've read to get to this point, I mean, characters have to they have to build up sort of a resume. Very few just show up and are like the hottest thing ever immediately, right? Like, yeah, that happens. Like Venom, Venom shows up in in Amazing Spider-Man 300, hot, real hot property, and then he gets a solo later in the 90s. Like, that's a pretty fast. That's one first that's appearance one of the to solo ones. run, but he's he's gisting in Spider Man a bunch. But I think that's that. Attack on Effect of Todd McFarlane blowing up, right? Like he he got so oh, big, yeah. and you know, I mean, it's tied together. He got big because people like Venom, but people like Venom because they like Todd McFarlane, and he had the power to just kind of keep bringing him back. But yeah, that that is rarer than uh, it is uh, common, definitely for sure. Um, okay, uh, Dave writes, if you could recast the MCU Avengers with Muppets, who would play which hero, and who would you retain as the customary human character, a la Michael Caine in The Christmas Carol? <laughs> so I love the Muppets. You're a Muppets oh, fan, Oh, I, right, I love the Muppets, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, big, good. Big Muppets this will be fun, then. Oh, will it? Because, like, this, this is hard for me, doing these things. <laughs> like, for me, I'm always just like, uh, I don't know. Uh, I... I, I just, the, the only cool ones answer, that are fun cool for answer. me to come up with are if you come up with like a very clever pun or something. Besides that, yes, uh, those those do tend to be more fun. Yeah. Uh, I think our Kermit the Frog. So I mean, historically, yeah, let's start with the Muppets doing first. MCU Avengers would be uh, Captain America. Yeah, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. the leader of the bunch, a little more stoic, a little more serious. I think now, if you if we're I, initially, I was thinking about going outside the MCU for this because I feel like Miss Piggy would be like Emma Frost. I was going to say, um, of, of but, but Emma right? Frost is not is very hot-headed, right? She's pretty cool and collected. And I was thinking, there's there's no, like, big She can brash. be. I mean, she starts as straight up a, a supervillain. I guess. There's no, like, loud, brash, you know, powerful woman in the MCU, right? Like, they're all pretty, like, cool as cucumbers, more or less. Uh, like, yeah, no, that's true. I, I think maybe Scarlet Witch has that potential mm-hmm. of just, Valkyrie-ish. like, I will mess up your world. I mean, Valkyrie's a little sloppy, uh, but she's not loud. <laughs> um yeah. Miss Piggy is is quite the quite a unique character I think is what we're finding here. Yeah. Um I think I honestly I think the who would be Stadler and Waldorf is really the only question I care about here and I think uh Cable and Deadpool could be a fun pairing. Mm. I think mm-hmm. Sam Guthrie and Robert DeCosta, Cannonball and Sunspot would be I think they see themselves as a Stadler and Waldorf, you know, looking down and and heckling everyone from above. If this was DC um, again, I'd say you, Blue Beetle and Booster Gold, you know. Perfect. Yep. Perfect selection. Uh, I think if you keep it to MCU Avengers, maybe I'm, Tony Stark and uh, Rhodey could pull that off, hmm. I guess. But otherwise, you don't really have a great heckling crew, despite how kind of quippy it envisions itself. You know, it is this funny thing with the Avengers in the MCU where, like, everyone talks about, like, oh, they just they undercut everything with jokes. But then you think about the actual Avengers. It's like, who among them is, like, funny? And it's Tony. Yeah obviously trying to be. Um, and now it's Thor, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, you could do Thor and Korg, but they wouldn't be Stadler and Waldorf. They would just be... Actually, Thor's probably Argonzo, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty good, actually. I was thinking Sweetums yeah. is Hulk, because they're big. I don't know. I'm, uh, this yeah, is not my... Sure. <laughs> this is not my playing to my strengths. Um, okay, any any other ones you got? Yeah, let, at, while we're talking about yep. it, MCU Avengers, um, are you caught up on Falcon and Winter oh, Soldier? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm watching it every. What uh, what is your midway through Falcon and Winter Soldier appraisal of of the latest on Disney Plus? Uh, I'm so no spoilers for people who haven't seen it yet. Um, yeah, no spoilers. I have not. Uh, I I like it, but you know what? You know, I was just thinking today. I think it's the most like junk food thing they've ever they've done in a long time. Um, they being like official Marvel cinematic. Yeah, yeah, the MCU. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was just fine. You know, like I my expectations are not super high for most MCU stuff, <laughs> right? Like com- on a, on a curve of comparing to the rest of the media of the world, right? Like other TV shows. Um, but it's good. I mean, it basically is an MCU movie. Like the action's fun. The banter's fun. And the themes and characters are pretty, uh, underwritten. I think like, yeah, I, I yeah. No- I, I'm definitely underwhelmed by it. Yeah. I would say so far. Um, it, like you said, I don't think it's, I don't think it's actually bad. It's kind of fine. I think I'm underwhelmed. Um, I I resent 
the pace of the first couple episodes, frankly, I feel like the third episode should have been the second episode because mm. this is a six-episode mini, and, and there's one thing I don't love. It's it's a series that is like finding its legs as it goes six hours into it. Mm. That's just deeply unappealing to me. You know, I feel like if you're going to do these things, move hard and move fast and try interesting things, yeah. and this definitely was <laughs> this not third, That third episode definitely moved, that. yeah. It did, it did, yeah. and it, it brought in characters who made things more interesting. I think Falcon is coming out very bad. Um, in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think the ostensible lead character in what I kind of thought was going to be his story uh, is anything but. He's a becoming sort of a third, fourth most interesting character in the show, um, much to the show's detriment. To I me, that, that's kind of, I don't know, that kind of seems like Mackie to me. Mackie's always been a little bit of a flat. Is act. it a him thing or is it a, is it, it, it a the way they're writing? It might, the be, it might be some of the writing as well, but I also don't, no, I I don't know. He's never been like a uh, like a, a magnetic personality or like a charisma, you know, like a charismatic. He's got great posture. That, I mean, Incredible you can't argue posture. with that. Yeah, but I mean, Bucky no. is weirdly coming out as being like Sebastian Stan is coming out <laughs> being pretty charismatic, which he was not previously in the MCU. Yes, right. Because yes, now I that he's agree. freed from just being mind wiped all the time, uh, he's he's pretty funny and charismatic. And then we got a new character in the third episode who works pretty well. So yeah, no, I don't know. I'm not sure. Really well. I, I've seen I, that a little bit. I would that, push back a little bit. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I've seen that a little bit that like Falcon is underserved by this and I haven't quite felt like that, but also like, I think I'm not taking it very seriously. So that that's most like, I've already kind of been well, like, I think oh, that's th one of the problems. I think that's one of the, gonna be, I don't want to get too deep into it because we're halfway through and again, we're avoiding spoilers. We'll, we'll do a full recap. I think probably as a Patreon special, but um, I think one of the problems is it it is occasionally asking to be taken seriously, mm -hmm. but then not really embracing that. You know, it is occasionally asking you to take race seriously and to take the flag smashers as as a you know smash all borders and and global one global society seriously. And it's raising those ideas and kind of wanting to get credit. I think just for bringing them up. Sure. Rather than being a show <laughs> I mean, about exploring, what, what is that. more Marvel than that? Though <laughs> that is that is paying true homage to Marvel comics. Like right that's there. true. That's true. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's true. But it's it is kind of disappointing. Yeah. Sure. Having seen, like for example, The Watchmen, do it so wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I don't. There's probably great criticism of that, but for certainly for my viewing experience, that felt authentic in a way that I found very very impressive. And I don't think the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think it kind of wants a similar level of critical and intellectual conversation, but it just, it is nowhere close. And, um, and, and it's, I, I can't imagine through six episodes, it's going to get there. Yeah, no, I don't, uh, I don't think so. I, I would say to your earlier point, WandaVision and, and now Loki, mm -hmm. which had a new trailer drop today, those had big expectations. Sure. You know, you kind of said like, oh, I don't have super high expectations. Those I have super big expectations. WandaVision lived up in, in some regards and didn't. Loki looks like it's going to be really good. Yeah, again. I'm excited about it Loki. It looks like they're yeah. doing a really interesting thing. I feel like Falcon and the Winter Soldier, I never had that hype for them. And I, I just think it's going to be this thing sandwiched in the middle that kind of does feel like an Age of Ultron-y, um, I don't know, like an Ant-Man 2 yeah, or something, like just kind of a miss. Like it's a, a fine, minor work. but for the MCU, that's a miss. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I totally see that. I also, yeah, I guess like for me, it's also just the, yeah, the MCU is going to be putting out so much content that like them doing stuff like this, if, if this is, you know, like 50% of the stuff they put out, I'm kind of, I'm kind of fine with that. You know, like big well, budget. Well, it is, it's fun to have. Big budget it's action cool scenes, you know, a 40 minute show where I get a couple laughs from the quips and like, it still feels a big step up from like the Arrowverse for me. I might get skewered for saying that, but like it, which is largely the production for that and the, the pacing, right? They, they they write six episodes. They have a lot more time to like polish it than the Arrowverse, which is, yeah. you know, trying to put out a, sh a show a week for half a year. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, well, like, and, I think I'm totally fine with it because whatever my they're doing. expectations for it are pretty low of just being like, yeah, I'm having fun with it and I'm not expecting it to, um, solve racism, <laughs> which I think is something that, uh, no, but you, but you're being facetious I, I when am, I, but think I, I think it can critically the, the, examine the ex these issues no, in, in more good faith ways. I agree. I just think people look at Marvel as if it is going to be the big culture, like the societal touchstone that we need to, like, like it needs to grapple with these things. And it's important that it does. And I kind of just like, I don't trust Disney to 
do that. And I've never trusted Disney to do that. So yeah. like, I, I just, yeah, I, 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 I think like it's, it's the setting the expectation to do that is setting yourself up to be like, oh, okay, well, weird. Something that, you know, <laughs> is designed to not ruffle any feathers because it needs to make all the money in the world is not ruffling feathers by being adversarial because these are issues. Someone in the Slack kept phrasing it this week. Um, which I, I thought was well put, which is like a lot of these issues are by their very nature, adversarial issues. And Disney's not going to be adversarial, you know, like not really, you know, they're, they're not going to, they're not really going to push, push the button to, to irritate <laughs> too many people. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think I, that's very I, pragmatic. It is. I think I, we I can do. still I'm, I'm not saying, want more yeah. out of it, you yeah, know? Yeah. And I, I think too, they are, again, it's that thing of, and we talk about this a lot in the comics. It's like, Yes, it is. It's a superhero action story. And I, I can be a little too quick to be to sort of forget, like, yeah, how cool is that to have a new one hour Marvel movie every Friday night? Sure. Like yeah. with, yeah, with yeah. movie stars like that's it's literally been three months of that in our lives. Yeah. It's a very cool, exciting thing to have as a Marvel Comics fan. I'm super into it um, and I'm always excited to watch. I will say, though, like on an excitement level, like I don't watch on Friday necessarily. Hmm. Like if I'm tired, I go to bed. <laughs> like like if I was we, tired, I was still gonna stay. We watch them at six thirty every Friday morning, basically, so I don't have to avoid Twitter all day. Um, I wish, man. Yeah. Well, you don't have to with this show because yeah, that's true. That There's that not really big of intrigue and spoiler ability. Yeah. But all right, so enough about that. It, we'll come back. I, to I also want to make it's an interesting show. I wish yeah. it. I think it's asking questions and raising points in such a way that it's it's asking to be critically evaluated on a level that it's not performing at. I think that is. I agree. Probably yeah. the biggest problem with it right now that i have yeah and i, I don't want to like sound dismissive of people's criticisms like I, I think a lot of the criticisms i've read are very valid i also just kind of think that like th there's an expectation that it's going to be better and i'm just like well we never had that because it's it's disney you know <laughs> it's it's uh, it's it... but they are but they are they are the cultural zenith yeah of 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 entertainment right which now. is the problem right, right? I mean, so, like, they, they take up all the oxygen in the room and so people end up putting all their expectations on like the, the Black Panther movie doing race relations well becomes, you know, like life or death for people because it is such an enormous cultural event. Right. Which I think mm -hmm. is more of a problem with the way that the MCU absolutely dominates all of culture <laughs> more than people's necessarily like their reaction to it necessarily. Like, um, yeah, it's 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 delivering media from a place of power. So I think expectations and criticism that push it to do that stuff better are good. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, um, yeah. But you know, it doesn't, it, it's like you said, it is at the end of the day, it is still, I, I mean, no, nobody went into, for example, star Wars, the, um, the last Jedi hoping it had really good things to say about race, right? Like that was not an expectation of that yeah. sort of cultural entertainment monster. The reason it is specifically for this show though, is you have the question of, can we have a black Captain America? And it's a really hard question mm -hmm. for Marvel to answer. It's been hard in the comics as well of how they talk about Sam Wilson of that run, which was written by a white man. You know, it's like you have a lot of challenges that they've had in actually having that conversation. And I feel like Falcon Winter Soldier to me is dropping the ball if that's the conversation they really wanted to embrace. Because it, it, increasingly it does yeah. not feel like that's the conversation. It's like they wanted to raise those questions. They, they're dancing around like it. Acknowledging with, they exist. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They, yes. With the character they showed in episode two, they're dancing around that, and but they're not really embracing it that much. I, I think like this is something I think about the comics all the time too and people's expectations of like good representation in them where I, I think like good to press them, good to complain about it, good to like make a little noise over it, but like guard your heart. <laughs> More or less, like, guard your heart against the idea that, like, DC is not going to be, like, leading yeah. the charge for you, right? Like, right. And, and so when you wrap up your, like, your own feelings about it, like, or that your emotional well-being into it, I think you're setting yourself up for being disappointed because DC and Marvel are always going to be following culture, not setting culture, you know, like, or at least, like, societal movements within culture. Um, yeah, but, no, I think you're probably right. But, but I mean, that, that does not mean that, like, that doesn't get them off the hook or mean that we shouldn't push for it, right? Like, I, that, I think that's a, a, you know, a distinction there. Okay, so I don't even know how we got onto that. Um, Dan asks, let's do some more talking Dave. Dave, walk us through the SEO of how you chose Comic Book Herald, given the comic book website <laughs> landscape when you were starting out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, sure. So I founded Comic Book Herald in 2011. And uh, I don't know when I actually bought the domain. It was probably 
around that time as well. It was definitely something I'd been thinking about a little bit longer. Um, yeah, I mean, the general time. So from an SEO perspective, which is my day job in marketing, I work in search engine optimism, much more complex than it sounds like, if you have any familiarity. And uh, the obviously just getting the phrase comic book in the domain was important to me from a keyword perspective because that has some search resonance, uh, but also just being clear about what my website was, was significantly more important. I think uh, one, if you if you are looking to build a website or you're considering purchasing a domain, uh, you don't need to stuff it full of keywords for search purposes. That is an outdated tactic that is not nearly as effective as it used to be. What you want to do instead is be clear about what the website is. Okay, I think that is the most useful thing you can do. And then I will just say, so like comic book, obviously clear. Harold was uh, two parts. One, it was because the newspaper I grew up reading was called the Daily Herald, which was kind of like a local Chicago light newspaper. So I had a lot of affinity for that as like newspaper term. And uh, also because Marvel obviously has Heralds. So I oh. like a good pun. <laughs> I like that combo that. of things. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And, uh, and, and, you know, so I kind of thought like, oh, it can be like your guide through the Marvel universe, a la a herald, like he's the guide bringing Galactus to food. I bring you to comics. So that was the, that was the explanation of the name, why I chose that domain. Um, and I'm, I'm honestly like of, of the decisions I've made, I've never once looked back on that one. Hmm. I've been very happy with it and, uh, I'm, I'm into it. I like it. Uh, I have a question for you. This comes from Zach in the Slack. He writes, mm-hmm. if CBH totally supported you financially and you had more free time to do from your, because uh, you were delegating out your day-to-day work, what mm-hmm. pie in the sky project would you want to commit to, to uh, do with CBH? Mm. So if you, if you had a blank slate, basically it gives you enough money to live off of. You're not, you know, you don't have to tweet and edit and all that all day. It's kind of all delegated out. What do you, what would you do? Yeah. If I could just do, if I could just do the stuff. Like what, what would have been your that creative, uh, fulfilling project? Um, well, that's interesting. Cause I, I think on one hand, like the things that I think would be the most useful would be like creating a book type, um, you know, kind of like that year by year visual history yeah, yeah. that you and I have both referenced sure. as we go through the my Marvel Year club, creating something like that, but with the reading orders, um, mm. and with commentary, you know, I think would actually have a lot of value to people. I don't know that that would be that creatively fulfilling. I yeah, actually that, that think sounds that would more be like... <laughs> extremely hard. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the last uh, year you've really pumped, uh, in a lot of writers, right. Doing like yeah. good work that probably is less profitable than, you know, just writing, reading orders i'm assuming right oh for sure yeah i mean like the there's an there's an irony to paying people to write good criticism about comics Mm -hmm. is is not a money maker yeah um so i pay good money to have good writers contribute and make my site a destination that i am proud of and that has great content but the actual driving of revenue back to the site comes from being helpful from being useful yeah and from from recommending comics to people, namely, you know, so it's reading orders, it's best of lists, that sort of stuff. There's a profit component to it, which is not to get too businessy about it, but like that's super appealing to me as well. Uh, it's it's satisfying. Um, so it, it's one, you know, I see that a lot with like, you know, you see comics critics and and folks in comics sort of complain or or just maybe complains the wrong word even, just like basically just voice, you know, like yeah, we don't do this for the money, and like yeah, there's no money in criticism. But I mm-hmm. my counter to that has always been like. You kind of like, why would you expect there to be that? Like, why would you expect someone (laughs) to so badly want to pay you to have an opinion? You know what I mean? And I think the challenge with that is you got to package it together a la panel by panel. I think sketch.com has a really good model of a subscription package where you're just like, our content is so A plus all the time that, you know, that we're asking you to pay for it and that people who actively want to do that, it's the only way to get it. You know what I mean? Because if you're just sort of looking at it on a a publication basis and trying to drive ad revenue, that level of criticism is not going to get the eyeballs. Yeah. And, and and it's like, why would you expect it to? You know, it's like if you write a really great article about um, Falcon Winter Soldier, for example, right? A perspective we just talked about, but much better and more articulate than what we said. Mm-hmm. Brings in a lot of different elements. Easy to do. That can get a... <laughs> Easy to do, right? Yeah. Ton, but that's the thing is like, it's so much work. It's so hard. You have to find the right person and you have to get, and you have to have editing and you have to have the right questions being asked and, and in a concise format that people can actually read. Um, and it gets all the social attention, right? And it blows up. Even that, it's like, 
all you can get out of that is the ad revenue from that burst in the moment. Okay, yeah. and that's amidst the field of everyone else in the world on YouTube, on social, for free, on on all the other websites talking about this already, right? So competitively, it's so challenging. Um, so that's on CBH. Like my big thing is like it's going to be just like recommending where people should read and and actually trying to be helpful. That is going to, I think, motivate people to be like, this is a cool site, and I appreciate it. Yeah, and <clears throat> I'm just going to go about my business getting into comics and in that process I can benefit comic book Carol. Um, so anyway, I have tons of thoughts about that. I could go forever, but I mean, uh, I assume there's, there's short, a tipping point where, you know, w- through, through funding good criticism that might, might, might not be like specifically pay for itself in the moment. Um, you know, you're, you're trying to get into people's bookmark bar to become like a daily check, right? Like, you know, people will put polygon and Kotaku and it's like, not necessarily, it, it, it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to go see what's on Polygon today. And like, oh, there's a, there's two articles that I want to check out. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming right. trying I mean, to build I, I up that, that kind of a base, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have that ambition just on a uh, – like that makes me proud of the site. Yeah, oh, right. That's, yeah. It's not a – It's there's just zero profit motive. It's all just like – I don't know. It's like a it's like a, like a billionaire buying an NBA franchise or something. It's like I just want this cool thing. And that's a bad analogy. But it's like – no, it's like I want to – have a destination that people know if they come to it, they're going to get great stuff. And then two, that builds the social element a bit where then just more people are going to find you mm-hmm. by virtue of I tapped into this cool writer and this cool writer, et cetera, who all bring their own perspectives. Um, that's the appeal of having so many new writers contribute to CBH. Plus the bigger thing too is then just I don't have to do everything, which is historically been what Compact Herald is. Um, but I mean, it is like if you look around right now, there's a lot of good writing being done about comics. Uh, it is spread out it's incredibly I don't, the scattered, idea yeah. of well it's, i just think the i just think the online.com experience is incredibly scattered i don't have website destinations i go and visit daily anymore i think probably like 2011 2012 i did you know i would just go straight to like two or three dot coms there are, i can think of like one or two that every so often i might go back to um women, women but, write about comics is the only one i have in my bookmark bar for comics um which I love reading, but I don't read daily. Um, I guess I'm a patron, so I'll read like their newsletter and I'll check out what's yeah. what's new that way. Um, but I don't, I don't, I just don't have that website experience. I think social has obviously changed so much of that. Um, I think just the way people consume Twitter threads and people's opinions, mm-hmm. like that's yeah. the thing that even I, I, I set a half hour limit on my Twitter, so daily I can only do half an hour, and even even then, even with that. I mean, the thing I probably check the most is refreshing that being like, is there anything interesting? I don't know, just the freshness of it, the way it's built to tap into your, that sense of like, ooh, what's the new thing people are talking about? I'll have 15 cool articles saved in my Chrome browser that I'm skipping over to go refresh Twitter. You know what I mean? Like it's a bad, it's a bad habit, but uh, that's definitely the way my brain's wired at this point. Yeah, well, good good answer. I think that's uh, that's very interesting. Um, well, I mean, uh, but also uh, important to point out, your website needs to... Um not uh, be crashing for all that to work, right? Yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Rubbing salt is, uh, in the wound. <laughs> I'm sorry. Here's the here's the thing about running a website is uh, it sucks. It sucks. Ask yeah. a, ask anyone who does it for funsies, okay, as a hobby. And that's the, that's the other piece too, because I've seen uh, some comics creators lately on Twitter and other places being like, like calling out criticism, and then shortly after being like, oh, these people didn't get paid to do this? Or like, oh, these people barely got paid? <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't understand that. Of course it's not very good. And I, I feel like there's a, when I think of all the comic sites that I really respect, honestly, there's like literally two of them that are funded, okay? Yeah. Everything else is just like people who like comics and are choosing yeah. to do it. And and that's what Comic Book Herald is, is just me being like trying to figure out what does it take to run a website and how do I deal with all these technical issues? And literally this past weekend being on, on support calls and chats like 15 times a day yeah, and getting nothing. <laughs> okay. Um, it's all, it's yeah, whatever. It's a lot of work, but uh, it's um, I mean, people do it cause they dig it and it's uh, it's a hard thing to do. I don't recommend it, but I do recommend supporting the people who try. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's a lot of, a lot of Patreons out there <laughs> for that kind of stuff. Um, I think I got the last question here for the day. This is from Peter. One of the interesting things about X-Men is how it changes settings so often and effectively. While many other superheroes feel out of place when they leave New York, the X-Men's globe trotting feels natural and also helps to cement the existence of mutants as a global phenomenon. Why do you think this works so effectively for them, but so horribly for any other characters? Is it more about the characters themselves, a problem with the writing? Which other books do you feel travel better than others? 
Oh, you go first. I've been talking a bunch. Um, uh, I think, I guess it has to do with the, uh, yeah, I mean, it has to do with the specific character, because for me, Spider-Man out of New York doesn't really work, but that's just because, like, Peter Parker going on its space adventure to fight the Shi'ar or whatever, like, that's a lot less interesting. Like, th- that character doesn't feel, like, like I, I can see the fun in that occasionally when he goes on a Secret Wars and kind of has that, um fish out of water right. feel right like he, he's the the odd one who's just like i have no idea how to handle this right i mean you even have that in infinity war the spider-man there like mm-hmm. going to space mm-hmm. for the first time um but as like a regular thing I, I think it just doesn't work because it gets away from what makes that character interesting which is a supporting cast of normal humans um and a you know like a very mundane day-to-day problems um Versus Fantastic Four, who don't have mundane day-to-day problems. Most of their problems are that Reed Richards is experimenting in big, crazy ways. And that, you know, invites this kind of, like, huge, fantastic journey thing. And thing. Um, I mean, the reason why X-Men does it, uh, you know, so well is because it has such a varied cast of characters that are so international. Um, that I don't think that they feel, like, restricted to one place, right? Like, the, the characters can change depending on where you want to put them. Um I think you can really morph the team to to suit the location. Uh, I think X Men works especially well too because Chris Claremont's interested in writing a travelogue. Um, mm-hmm. He that is a part of his narrative approach that he's clearly invested in. I mean, I, I've talked about this as we review on Kenny X Men episodes, but like or issues, you know. I mean, he's he's interested in the world <laughs> in a way that not all writers of the era necessarily are. I think too to your point, it's a global team. They can kind of go anywhere. There are mutants around the world. You know, there are not just mutants in New York. That is a clear part of the book's identity. Plus then too, like you have Moira in um, in Muir Island, you know, in Scotland. You have the Savage Land in Antarctica. You have um, the, the X-Men taking up a base in Australia in the Outback era. So you have all these kind of destinations that become very global in, in a way that Marvel Comics often does not feel. I mean, I think like so much of it, like you said, is just it's just going to depend on the story. I mean, there's no reason... Spider-Man can't have a story in Florida chasing the lizard. It's just, is that an interesting story or is it something we've seen before? Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, I, I think the Fantastic Four, I would say, for example, to me are a good example of like, they are limited. I would say they are hampered by stories that keep them in New York. Mm-hmm. I think stories that are yeah. very like the Fantastic Four are on Yancey Street, to me really is is limiting the potential of this cosmic group of astronauts. Like, they should be traveling all the time, I kind of feel like, and exploring the negative zone and, and yeah. the moloid dimension and all sorts of things. I think that makes them more interesting. Um, I do think, historically, comics have struggled. I, one thing that DC definitely has over Marvel is a sense of place and a sense of unique fictional place, mm-hmm. especially. Yeah. You know, I really like DC cities. I think not only Gotham and Metropolis, but, like, Starman is a run I really dig from the 90s where it builds out, what is it, Opal City as like a new, its own thing. And you just get a sense of that place and that feel. Marvel kind of loses that by having everyone just in New York, which I know you're a big East Coast bias guy, Zach, but like Mm -hmm. I resent New York on a sports and irrational level. You know, like I, it's weird how they can't like connected to Chicago. I resent it. So the fact that that's the place I'm supposed to connect with, I do. Well, Marvel doesn't really have (laughs) fictional cities except for Madripoor, more or less, right? Like they have fictional countries: Wakanda, Latveria. Yep. Yep. I mean, Madripoor is a city. It's kind of its own thing. Yeah, and those work. I think Wakanda and Latveria, but like it doesn't do the same thing that DC does, where it has you know Metropolis and Gotham and uh, what is it, Central City, Uh, Central City, Keystone. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. you got all these places. Um, Themyscira. Yeah, it's weirdly it's weird how like the real cities and Marvel never stand out except for New York, right? Like Los Angeles, like West Coast Avengers in Los Angeles, it very rarely feels like oh, it's keying in on like what makes Los Angeles unique. Um, yeah, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of interesting. And like there was a that. Nightwing run by David F. Walker and company in, not too long ago Haven, that was set right? in Chicago. Oh, um, okay. oh, really? Weird. Marvel side, yeah. Okay, interesting. Uh, no, Nightwing has also been in Chicago. If that's what I said, I misspoke. But they both have been in. Chicago. No, I think you said it right. Um, okay, so but yeah, I mean, but even stuff like that, it's it's difficult to grab a non-New York sense of place for Marvel characters, at least set in America, I think. That is definitely something, even, you know, the Great Lakes Avengers or whatever, Mm -hmm. right, is kind of like, it's kind of comedy at that point. I mean, something like, this is a little spoilery, but like when you get to Avengers, the initiative territory, um, you know, you kind of try to do that thing of like Avengers in every state. And 
there's something about it where it's been so defined as being the certain city for so long, just being that's it's almost like a bubble. It's like a Secret Wars battle dome. Yeah. Which just like that's where everything happens. And anything outside of that is kind of weird. Which is like, weird. It doesn't feel the real. Justice League works totally fine not having a headquarters except for space, right? Their headquarters is a satellite. <laughs> and uh and that works yeah. that works pretty well. I mean that Well if you think about even even in the MCU, you know, you think about where do the stories happen, they start in you know the Avengers movie starts with the New York story, but then as they go, it's you know fictional Sokovia, it's um, Lagos, it's it's them traveling actually a fair amount, and then it's and then it's off to space, right? Yeah. Um. So I I do think it works. It just the narrative has to drive it there, and X Men are so they have their own jet, I guess as the Avengers do, but just I don't know, they're just so not defined. They're not in the city in New York anyway. The the Xavier Mansion and the Institute is is outside. It's in Westchester. Yeah. Right. So like they're. They're kind of already just like they need other places to be. And yeah, I don't know how much of that is Claremont really, really propagating it and desiring it and how much of that is the team. Um, I think it's going to depend, you know, by writer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not like prescriptive to like Spider-Man can't leave Queens, you know, like I, I'm open to that idea. I just think I mean, I, I'm also one of the interesting. I think a lot of about... people do feel that way, though, especially with Spider-Man. Sure. You know, that, well, I like, think it's because it historically has hasn't been that interesting right i think that's kind of the problem is that like people can't expand their imagination to see it because they haven't seen it that much um well like and you know tanahisi coates like his black panther run has done space panther yep. for the last 25 issues or whatever and you can send black panther to space and get him outside wakanda and there's there's a little more free form with that whereas if you had a run right now that was space spider yeah i feel like that would keep that would grade on people yeah um yeah yeah. In a way that, I mean, would, that, that doesn't sound appealing to me, but like I'd also be open to being surprised. One of the interesting things about doing this club is watching like what characters that I walked in with a ton of affection for, like Spider-Man. I've always been like Spider-Man's my guy, and then I'm now I'm kind of yeah. like, yeah, no, I mean I like Spider-Man, but like he's so limited. He, he feels like a very limited character with what um like the scope of what people can and have done with him, um, which is one of the interesting. Th- I mean, like it, again, I've said it a bunch of times, like the. F- Floor, the floor is relatively high for me with Spider-Man, just because I like spending time with that character. But like the ceiling is pretty low <laughs> on those comics as well. Um, so it, I, I think it's the most interesting question in Marvel Comics right now is how do you House of X, how do you Immortal Hulk mm-hmm. Spider-Man? Yeah, that, I think yeah, it's the most interesting yeah, question totally. because I think to your point that has historically been true. Since Stan, Steve, and and John, I mean, Craven's um, obviously last with exceptions, hunt, right? Like, no, no, that's the thing. Obviously, with exceptions, but, like Craven's last hunt breaks the mold, and it's great. Other stories have tried and have not been so great. Yeah. Um. But you know, to your point, how do you get rid of that fear of the floor? Because I think fear of the floor being lower is one of the biggest things holding it back. You know, like Marvel is. It's it's a little historically it makes more sense. Like when you're looking at comics as more of a money maker, and a Todd McFarlane Spider Man can be this huge selling thing in 1990, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, it makes a little more sense to be a little more scared, to be a little more conservative in your approach to that character, right? Um, which is funny because I don't even know that the McFarlane run is that. But it, as we get further away from that, and the MCU being you know clearly the driving engine. Why wouldn't comics take weirder, bigger swings and see if they can tap into something unique and beautiful with Spider-Man that has never been done? There's got to be someone you know, out there like, with a pitch. <laughs> you know, the world is pretty big. It's a lot of comics. I think it's a challenging thing to pitch, though. Like, yeah. it, it, like seriously, like sit down and think for like 20 minutes. No, about, I know. Like, what yeah. would you do? It's a really hard thing to think of the new because that's the thing about House of X or Immortal Hulk is like we're keeping the essence of what a good of what is good about X Men. Yeah, we're keeping yeah. what is good about Hulk or finding what is. I mean, good that, about that's Hulk. surprising to me about Hulk is like I I read the Immortal Hulk before we even really started the club without reading much other Hulk, and I was like, wow, this is so big and fresh and new. And then like through our reading of especially the Peter David stuff, I'm like, oh no, like Immortal Hulk is like so additive, but it, it is so clearly based on what has come before, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, sorry, go on. No, to me, that's just that's kind of the perfect balance yeah. is. Is not someone saying, oh, forget all this, blow it up, I have a better idea. Spider-Man's a terrorist now. (laughs) Right, something crazy. It's like, you know, Al Ewing has a deep love and and respect for continuity. Um, Even Jonathan Hickman is not wired the same way, but clearly has a fandom and an opinion about X-Men, right, and mutants in the Marvel Universe. Um, So I I think with Spider-Man, 
the biggest challenge become because I, I think that if you boil it down to like 98% of people and you're like, well, okay, what is a Spider-Man story? They're like, oh, he's going to the Daily Bugle and he works for J. Jonah Jameson, Robbie Robertson, and he's got Betty Brant and, and Gwen Stacy. He's got and girl, MJ, girl right? problems. He's guilty about Aunt May. Like, Yeah, and now you're just back in Stan, Steve, and John. Yeah, right. And now you're just back in repeating the same things that have been done. And the question then becomes, and then you get, and then you can get too off, too far, um, pardon me, too far outside it, and say, all right, fine, let's let's send him to Mars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does that look yeah, like? Right. And now it's like, okay, but how is this a Spider-Man? Um, so I'm not going to pretend to have an answer. I'm not going to pretend to have the pitch because I have thought about it, and I don't know. I don't know exactly what it is, yeah. but there's got to be a version of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that somebody could try, and I think that's that's one of my bigger kind of criticisms of Spider-Man stuff we're reading through the 80s and even where Spider-Man is presently, which are comics that plenty of people like a lot. I know somebody in Slack loves them, and that's great. Um, and definitely it's a run that people can dig, but for me, it's a little too safe. Um, I want to see I want to see how you make Amazing Spider-Man the biggest, most interesting title in Marvel. Surprising. And I feel like, when has that been done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As we work through the history, like, when is that the case? Yeah, the, it's, I mean, it's the only rare. time I've been surprised by Spider-Man since we started, more or less, is Craven's Last Hunt. Versus someone like Captain America that has constantly surprised me. You know, Captain. That that the other weird thing is that Captain America is turning out to be like one of my big guys because of how many good runs there are with Captain America and how often, like, mm-hmm. how versatile that comic is. Um, yeah. All right. I think that's gonna do it. I think we uh, we we covered all these questions pretty well, more than I, I kind of thought we would. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, thank you, thank you, Dave, for chatting. Thank you, everyone in the Twitch for watching, and uh, thank you all for listening. Uh, if you want to review the show on Apple Podcasts, that would be great. If you would like to support the show, you can head over to patreon.com slash mymarvelousyear to support us for as little as a dollar a month that gets you access to the spreadsheet. Five bucks a month gets you early access to episodes uh, as soon as I'm done editing them, which is usually a couple weeks ahead of time. And also access to the Slack, bonus episodes, etc. And uh, what else? What else can they do? Uh, tell a friend. Yeah, I haven't mentioned this too often. Tell a friend. Yeah. Tell two. D- tell, yeah. T- tell two. Don't, you know, don't, three, don't go crazy. But two friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, we don't, we don't want to ruin three friendships, but two. Listen, I don't want my real seer to get that big, you know, like. That's true. There, there is a safe, healthy middle. Yeah. Um, which we are enjoying currently. But yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, you can find me at Comic Book Herald. You can find Zach at My Marvel This Year on social. Music for the show is by Disasterpiece, and we will see you next year. See you next year.